And all right, Jason, uh, thanks for coming, man. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, we usually have the guests dedicated. So, what'd you like to dedicate the episode to? If you ever want to think about dedicate. it, yeah. I'll dedicate to cool grandmas everywhere because grandmas are cool. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? We're back with Jason P. Schumacher. How you doing, Jason? Good. <laughs> All right. I'm glad you got the P in there. Yeah. Is it intentional? Is there another director that you... Is this Jason Schumacher or are you just... Uh, when I first started and was getting onto IMDb when it was like actually harder to do so, there was somebody else on there already named Jason Schumacher, but I think right. they were just like a stunt person and I don't know if they actually stayed in film. Right. But then I just added the P and it stuck. Well, I, I, you know, I written my comic book, and I, there's another Nick Palacci who's actually more famous than I am, and I'm kind of maybe have to do that to kind of differentiate me something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Is I it, like it. Like some, you know, some good. There's some good directors who have their middle initial in there, like Paul Thomas Anderson. So. Yeah, directors occasionally do it, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would give an update. You have a one sh uh, movie showing in uh, Milwaukee in a couple of weeks, right? If yeah, the able. chairman. Yes. Yep, the screening. Gosh, I should know this date, but I don't. Um, but coming it is up coming up soon in Milwaukee. Coming up in a couple of weeks in a while. So if they're in Milwaukee, what what do you know? What film festival it is? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't mean to put you at a spot. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Um, it's been bouncing around a lot, and the I I was the producer on that one, and the director's been submitting to all kinds of stuff. So okay. Sometimes I don't even know where it's screening. So I guess it's a good problem to have to have enough stuff out there that you're. <laughs> it is kind of a healthy problem to have, right? You got all the. Yeah. Well, we'll see uh, if I get a connection so I can uh, actually give the dates. But it is coming up in, if you're in Milwaukee. Take a look for the chairman. I'll look it up and put the the information on the meta the, coming Thank up the you. chairman. Um, and then you have the your latest one, Last Straw. Yep, that's screening. Uh, I don't know if the podcast will be out by then, but it'll. It's this Friday at the Best of Z Fest. We'll have it up by yeah. We'll have it up. At ZFest, ZFest is the film festival here in Minnesota, right? Yep, put on by Z System, so they do a big, you know, big uh, event where a bunch of local filmmakers make stuff. And I think there were like sixty or seventy teams this year. Yeah, and so we managed to make the best of with our film Last Straw. Well, congratulations! You got the nomination. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And it's going to get rescreened again, right? So it's like you, all of them get viewed, and yep. then you get nominated, and then there's another viewing for it. Right? Yeah, they'll they'll screen them all at the best of, and then announce whatever awards everybody got. So. At the at the at, at the, the best of at the Mall of America. Yep. Okay. All right. Are you going to be there? I will be there. Yep. <laughs> All right. Are you going to be there? Uh this Friday. Yes, I should be. Okay. I'm available. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, you've done. You, Z Fest has been going on for quite a while. So have you participated in it quite a bit? Last year was the first time I directed one, had my own team, and that was okay. Hostess, where we did a seven-minute continuous one-shot take film. Oh, really? Yeah. Which was kind of nuts because I, <laughs> I just always like to I don't know, find some kind of new challenge for myself with each one, uh, and that was the challenge for that one is to try to do this film all in one shot. So it's kind of following the host of a party, yeah, uh, all through this house upstairs, downstairs, as she's trying to keep an unwanted guest away from the 
you know, the girl he's trying to bother, uh, you know, uh, up, who's upstairs. So what was the name of it? Uh, Hostess. Hostess. Okay, that was the name of it. Yeah. Yep, and that one's on public online now, so you can watch it on the Great Duck uh, Vimeo. And that was that one that you directed, but did how did you who came up with the idea for it? Um, John uh, and I, John who wrote Dark Cloud and uh, oh Kaiser, Jay, yeah Kaiser uh, wrote that. So we we. We just kind of had a conversation over coffee and just started talking about different things that we liked and we yeah. liked party scenes and we liked long tracking shots and um so yeah it was kind of came out of that conversation and then he went off and he wrote it and was that trusted me to direct it did you have quite a few extras to do that yeah i think there was over i think it was like roughly 25 and we had yeah. a live band playing during all that as well so like the, the music in there is all live yeah so there's like a, a, a group of four a band six speaking parts so i think we ended up like 16 microphones to try to capture right. all the audio clean throughout the house and then the was the band mic'd or they just played raw just played out uh they were mic'd okay too. so like the composer actually took care of recording nice. during each take so we had our sound text recording all the dialogue and all the up at the party and then yeah. he recorded the band that he was also playing in as the bassist well i noticed uh, the only reason i asked is if you had a lot of extras because occasionally when i watch a lot of movies you don't have a lot of people in it you concentrate maybe a few people in each yeah. scene that's kind of like a challenge and that's kind of unique for you to have hostesses have a bunch of people in a scene yeah in a very small house which <laughs> yeah. only had one bathroom which was <laughs> kind of something you don't always think about when you're gonna invite a bunch of people like to make this film with you but uh and then it ended up that because it was one take we had to have the f the focus assist person on yeah. a wireless monitor and then myself and the director of photography and then john the writer as well were all watching the wireless monitor to be able to you know see what we were getting because it was just too logistically difficult to try to follow the camera guy through yes. everything yeah and so you know we would watch it and the funny thing was is that the only place we got good reception through the whole house was in the one bathroom. So there's a very funny picture of like all four of us in the bathtub with the wireless monitor, like, you know, right. crowded yeah. around watching what's happening throughout the whole rest of the house. I think it's, uh, people don't really, don't really know if they, if they like movies, they don't really, how physically demanding they can be just yeah. to make it. Yeah, and all the little cramped areas to do films and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've heard like, like maybe Charlize Theron said it or you know some bigger actors have said you know it is there's a lot of glitz and glam every once in a while like for awards or whatever but a lot of it is just like work it's just yeah. just like prep and getting in the mud and like you know it's not sometimes it's cushy but sometimes you're just like how do we get the shot well you know you have to be in the rain all day or you have to you know just do something that's uncomfortable for the scene and of course it's a scene, so you have to shoot it a bunch of different ways and a bunch yeah. of different times. And yeah, are you are you do you still like to do um, short films? I mean, you really dominated a lot of short films. Do you kind of that's your favorite, or you would like to keep doing like full features? I'm gearing up to do a feature. I have okay. done some features, but long, long ago, so they're very scrappy, very lo-fi. But um, so the telephone game is on Amazon's like an old old yeah. project of mine that people can check out. But um, yeah, I'm gearing up to do a feature hopefully in the next two or three years. So I'm kind of ironing out the script of that right now. And yeah. 
Yeah. China's like putting all the pieces together, like on lookbooks and logistics and all that kind of stuff. So I'm working towards that. And, and in the meantime, you know, just kind of staying, trying to stay sharp and trying to experiment right, yeah. um, with shorts. Well, when you're not making movies, is it kind of like you, your brain's still thinking, making movies? Oh, yeah. Even with you on vacation, you're still thinking how to make, make movies? Always. It's like, I mean, that's why it's fun to have like a project that's coming up or ahead of time because you got, you can kind of put it in the back of your brain and then sometimes something random right. will spark an idea that you're like, oh, that'll that'll work for that. Um, a lot of the movies I noticed that you've directed, other people have written. So do people submit them to you or you ask for scripts? How does that come about usually? It's been kind of a mix. I mean, I co-wrote a couple. Um, I co-wrote Sad Clown and This Is Home okay. with Jesse Frankson. And so those... Those are two of your you know, kind of well-known short films, right? Yeah, Sad Clown bounced around to a lot of festivals and it... Yeah got the audience award at Twin Cities Film Fest here, which was like really fun in 2014, I think. Yeah. And then, yeah, This Is Home was part of the, the MNTV thing that the Walker and PBS put on or, or TPT puts on. So yeah, it was nice to get some recognition for those because yeah. those were personal ones. But each one that somebody else has written has kind of come up a different way. You know, the one with with John Kaiser, it was just kind of like, hey, let's do something together. We seem to have similar interests. Like, let's. Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, right. Yeah. And so that one just kind of came up that way. And the last straw my wife wrote, and she'd been kind of just wanting to do something creative. She's got a background in theater, but works in corporate right now. Yeah. And so I said, well, Z Fest is coming up. If you write something, we can make it. Well, when we watch uh, Last Straw, it seems very much that somebody knows the environment they're speaking of. I would yeah. bet you brought it up that it's very much, they. it almost seems deeply personal. Uh, yeah, for yeah. her it definitely is. And it, it looks almost not a separation, but it, obviously this person knows what they're talking about, obviously knows the environment of balancing and all that stuff. And yeah. I, I like the metaphor of straw into the movie. It, it, it was wonderful, it was great. And it'd be a lot of fun making with your wife and everything. Yeah, it was really fun. It was nice to have like something to work on together and um, my daughter, who was 10 months at the time, <laughs> is in it. And then my good friend Danny, who had been wanting to do a project with for a long time, her and her daughter are in it. So it was kind of, yeah, like a family thing or something. Well, since this is a new one, I would like to ask you a little bit about it. When, sure. when did you start filming it? When did you? Uh... We filmed on January 18th and 19th and a pickup day after that. Okay. And it's just at short long. And then did you guys do like uh, rehearsals or anything? Did you have time to do that or you just kind No, because we had very little time yeah. because, um, you know, it was over the holidays and then I was traveling for more holiday commitments. Then yeah. I had a, I was home for like a day and then I flew out to a freelance job and then I came home and it was like three days had to prep everything and get it ready to shoot. So the only reason I ask is because a lot of these short films, you don't have the luxuries of sometimes, no. you know, like the full feature stuff. Yeah. No, um, I would have loved to. And I think in the future, you know, definitely try to make time for that. But you know, you're always kind of juggling yeah. a lot of different variables and trying to figure out like where, where do you allocate the time? And so that just didn't, wasn't logistically feasible, unfortunately. So you think you and your wife would do more projects together or just kind of this was one the one thing? 
I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this one's this one's been good. Well, we I haven't... know a lot of a lot of married couples that are very creative don't like to work together. It's kind of unique, yeah. That the, if you can be able to manage that. Well, even when she's not directly involved, she's always a good like, you know, sounding board and you know to bounce ideas off of or sure. to tell me like <laughs> what part isn't working or whatever. You know, you need yeah. those people that can give you good, you know creative or good constructive feedback when you've you know looked yeah. at something for so long and thought about something for so long that you just like need fresh input so right yeah so yeah. that she's able she has like an you know an arts background that she's able to do that's really helpful do you uh edit your own films um a lot of them have been kind of co-edits okay so like um my ad and i edited last straw so she kind of did the preliminary edits and then i kind of took over and did the final edit did you do any storyboarding for Lestra? Or just that was that quick? We kind of did. Uh, the DP and I went to the locations and we kind of like just yeah. walked around and, you know, I honestly like using my phone as a, as a storyboard tool, you know, just to like. Right, you kind of forget that that's available, right? As yeah, I just like to run around and I have make somebody stand in and be like, okay, well, if we, we could do a medium here and do this and then, you know, I. And the, I know there's lens apps that you can get, but I don't use that. It's just more of like a framing thing of like yeah. trying to think of like, and just thinking about the edit because I'm in, I'm an editor as well, and so like I like to think of how things will cut together. And it's like, okay, when do we want to use the wide, and when do we want to be done with it and move away from the wide, and just yeah. so you can like kind of maximize your time on set too, just to not overshoot or undershoot or. Yeah. Do you, I mean, with your very full schedule, are you able to go see movies? Yeah, I mean, uh, end up watching a lot more at home lately sure. with, a, with a young kid. With the kids but, in it, yeah. but yeah, I got to see a few this year. Uh, saw that caught the favorite yeah. in theaters. I saw Into the Spider-Verse. Those are probably the last two that I saw. Okay. Well, you pick good ones. <laughs> right. I love both of those right. movies. Right. Yes. I love the art, the art, the whole setup of the favorite and how everything yeah. was just full. It, everything was just masterly full in that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that something you always see when you do movies? I, mean, I always like to ask directors when we watch other movies, what's the first thing that comes out to you when you see another person's movie? What's the thing that kind of pops to you? Um, It's hard to say because, yeah, sometimes I am... I am watching it as like another filmmaker where I'm thinking about the editing and thinking about the shots and like thinking yeah. about the acting. And so sometimes it actually helps me to see a movie a second time to just kind of like immerse myself in it. But sometimes if the movie's good enough, it kind of yeah. like catches me and I forget about that stuff. And then right, yeah. you know, I am immersed and then I watch it a second time. And that's when I kind of think about it more like a filmmaker of like, oh, what are they actually technically doing here? Well, yeah, Roger Ebert did it in his essays, how great films make you forget that it's actually a film. Yeah. And you have to almost get to see it again, and it's actually new again. That means it's a really great film that almost catches you, yeah. Yeah, and that, yeah, if you see, like, a while later when you're different, it maybe means something different to you, but it's yeah. still good and meaningful. Did you always want to be a director? No, I don't think so. I, I think I didn't didn't really know what I wanted to be for a while and you know at the end of high school like what are you going to go to college and study and I hadn't yeah. really decided but <laughs> I'd kind of found my people in theater and in yeah. my video class like my friend Jesse Frankson who I made Sad Clown and This Is Home with yeah. I think he encouraged me to just be like hey you want to <laughs> you should take the video class and then we could like make videos and yeah. so we made 
you know, our first like scrappy little projects and would dub VHSs of them and give them to our friends and stuff. And they had probably had good things to say about it because you continue to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. like I found I had some natural inclinations there and I was passionate about it and I enjoyed it. And so I was like, okay, that, that's the, what I want to do. Do you still have them? It's VHS. Do you still have the tapes? Somewhere. <laughs> Are you able to see them? Do you still have a VCR? Oh, I mean, I have digitized some. Okay, of them. just okay. Good. Yeah. yeah, changing over, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you still watch your own movies? I mean, usually, like in film festivals, you have to sit there and watch your own movies. Can yeah, you? you're kind of forced to. Yeah. Um, I can. Um, it's hard sometimes. It just kind of like makes me anxious watching them too. right i would imagine it's it's hard because you're not an you're not just an audience right and you know what's coming right yeah and then but i think it's helpful too because you know like getting it done you know for the z fest deadline or for some festival deadline then you watch that thing and then you're like oh here's a couple of things i could tweak right unfortunately then you can go you can go back and tweak for the next festival or whatever so it's valuable i think to see it with an audience and to see it big yeah like, I, I noticed too because I made my own comic book that the ones that things I wanted to correct are stick out more in our brain than I think anybody who reads it would remember or retain. But mm -hmm. something like I really want to correct that sticks with you rather than and somebody else who just reads it would enjoy it overall. Yeah, I can notice that too, especially with my work as well. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Did you wanted to do theater? Or you always want to stick with film because I, the only reason I mention that is because a couple of your movies feature theater involved. So <laughs> the theater. Yeah. Did you want to do theater or just want to do film? I think I wanted to do. I, yeah, I think I always had an interest in that as well, and it just. Yeah. It's just a different schedule to manage. You know, it's like ultimately it was hard to do both, and one had to win. Like I took a lot of theater classes as well in college and um but but i was there for the film program and so that's kind of what i prioritize so yeah i don't know if i ever really really wanted to do theater i you know i enjoyed experimenting in it and i yeah. enjoyed acting in it and i thought i think that was all valuable into filmmaking oh yeah it's, I, I think actors appreciate if a director has done acting yeah 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 do you still go to theaters yeah when i can <laughs> try to see yeah plays and uh got to see Hamilton while that was here and yeah I it's, it's I, I can't help but think sometimes seeing a play of like what would this be like wouldn't it if it's a movie and right, sometimes which, that's inspired you know just an inspiring thought experiment would you ever uh, I, the only reason I ask is because I think music is a very important part of your movies yeah and Hamilton the musicals and all that stuff so when you do a movie do you consciously think music as you're doing it or is it music come after all the production um i definitely have a music like tone or vibe in mind as i'm right. writing and as i'm shooting because i i i think before actually even before i was interested in film and theater i was really interested in music and was kind of like a yeah a kid who'd tape stuff off you know music videos off of mtv and stuff <laughs> and like have my little collection of vhs tapes all these yeah. music videos and stuff and I had you know a bunch of little you know bands that would play in garages and our friends barns and stuff yeah but yeah I think yeah I think music is an important part of my films and 
I do think about him in kind of a musical way of like, what's the rhythm of the edits and of the shots right. too. I think of them kind of in a musical way of a composition of like, okay, this is fast and this is slow and this is moving and this is snappy or this is still, you know? Yeah, well, it's so, it's music, I think, is so wonderful when you have it in like Hearts Want and in Sad Clown, who actually are kind of like theater movies. Mm-hmm. But the music, I think, is perfectly matched into what's going on. And I think you do you have do you, do you use somebody to score the movies with you? Yeah, Charlie McCarran scored both of those, and Sad Clown was kind of a, a mix of his original music and then some reimaginings of classical works, yeah. kind of interwoven into some of his original stuff. And then yeah, he did Hearts Want, and actually, Sad Clown is what got me the gig to direct hearts want okay those are like like almost like i, I could i linked it i could yeah 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 ruth had uh the screenwriter had seen sad clown and liked it and had asked me to direct her first film hearts want was her first kind of jump into producing and yeah she'd been writing a lot and yeah, decided she wanted to finally go ahead and make a short. So yeah, and, uh, if you guys are listening, we had Ruth on uh, last year, and she talked about the whole writing process and all that stuff. And um, all Ruth Maramis. Yeah, and um, I'm getting it made. So if anybody wants to stop now and listen to that episode, uh, you're more than welcome to. So did when you did when you read Ruth's script, did you maybe like it? Did you have some? Did you guys work it together or? I did some kind of reworkings or revisions with her on it just to, cause she was pulling from a feature length script and she was trying to make this kind of short teaser version. So it was kind of interesting cause like if there was a, a line or something that wasn't quite gelling for me, I could kind of go back to her feature script and be like, well, what yeah. if we kind of pulled this line or this thread or something into the short instead? And so, yeah, and she was really, like really open-minded and really collaborative and really trusting of me, this you know director she just met with her her passion project. So it was kind of, I don't know, terrifying and exciting <laughs> and. It's kind of this all, with all movies, it's terrifying and exciting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, make them, yeah. Well, in that one, we had a really short deadline too because of a lot of logistical regions with the location that we had like this, I think I had like five or six weeks from the time I, read it to when we were filming that it's amazingly small short time yeah that is amazingly small for what you guys may be able to manufacture for that is wonderful yeah I, can you still watch it it's still doing some festivals yeah. so i'm not excuse me i'm not sure where when it'll be public online okay where so, we're sending it no yeah, <laughs> yeah. to ask ruth about that one <laughs> i certainly will so did you, did you, can you play instruments? I know you like music so much. Do you actually play an instrument? Yeah, I can play piano and guitar a bit. I'm not like great or anything, but. I well, can. I think it helps as a director that you're able to dip into other things, you know, because you have to communicate with so many people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's ultimately why I really love filmmaking is that it is this convergence of a lot of art forms yeah. all kind of together of music, sound, um, writing, photography, you know, theater, blocking, like visual arts, you, like it can all kind of coalesce into a film and you can kind of pull from all these inspirational sources and, and it helps to have at least some kind of knowledge of all those things too. So 
I, yeah, especially knowledge of music and everything, because you have to communicate with everybody, all the, all the different avenues that go with making a movie, and then you know they come to you and stuff like that. Uh, do you assemble a crew first, or do you want to? Do you work with cast first? Um, I think they often kind of come together around the around the same time. Okay. Um, yeah, I it know. just kind of works all together. Yeah, it's just kind of like yeah, people that I've. I have worked with or that I'm interested in trying to work with on something and um, yeah and it kind of depends on how elaborate the casting process is too you know I've done some projects where I've cast just people I know and said hey do you want to be in this and then I've done other projects where we had a lot of roles and we did like two three days of like long casting for a short film you know just to comb through all the <laughs> actors that we could think of and find to like find the right person so all right, we're going to take a little bit of break, and we'll be back more with Jason P. Schumacher. Hey, everyone. Chris here from A Dash of Science. You ever wonder how we evolved from apes, even though there's still apes around? Can't figure out why we don't have a cure for cancer or why we aren't gene-splicing the hell out of everything? Maybe you find yourself wondering why we aren't going to Mars yet or how come we're not headed full throttle towards all those habitable planets that NASA's found. If any of these feel familiar to you or you just enjoy hearing about science, technology, engineering, and medicine, then come check us out. At A Dash of Science, we take these topics and put them in a chokehold until they submit, until you get all the answers you never knew you wanted. So make sure you check us out at your favorite podcasting app or visit us directly at dashofscience.com. I got this date here too for you. Okay, so we're back, and um, Jason, just look up the uh, date for uh, the chairman, right? Yeah, it took me a minute for my cell to connect the World Wide Web, but it's at the Milwaukee Twisted Dreams Film Festival yeah. at the Times Cinema on April 7th at 5 p.m. So, yeah, and the chairman is kind of a supernatural thriller that we made. Um, There's a little bit of surrealism to it, isn't there? It's a little, yeah, it gets a little surreal. Like, yeah, yeah we had to kind of figure out exactly how do we portray these kind of supernatural things Yeah. on, you know, how do we show ghosts and show, you know, different, these different things that Frank, uh, the writer and director, wanted to to get in there. So it was fun to me for, for me to think about because a lot of my films have had or at least for the most part, have been more like naturalism or more like... Yeah, kind of, I was going to ask you about that. It's a little more mysticism kind of taken out a little bit of, with your movies. But yeah, except chairman, for Sad Clown, which sad, is like in some yeah. sort of, yeah, sad, some universe where everyone's a clown all the time. And yeah, it's like almost like an alternate end, like an alternate universe where everybody yeah. wears these music. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen the, the movie um, The Man Who Laughs? I have not. Have you heard about it? It's a sign-up movie. That, um not all the movie is available but in the movie the guy has a permanent smile on his face it's a disfigurement so he has to go through all of life smiling even okay. though everything could be horrendous to you it's a very german expressive movie okay and it was the inspiration for the joker huh um 
uh, Robinson, I think his last, Joe Robinson, got the inspiration after seeing the movie that he used the Joker, not just from a playing card, but the idea that everything in life, this guy still has to smile. Right. Yeah. And sadly, I think there are a lot of, there's not the whole film, there's very few pieces left of the film oh. that you can see. But um, if you ever get a chance, it's it's a wonderful take on this guy constantly smiling throughout right. all life. Yeah. yeah Which is an inspiration like, for like clowns and, yeah. Yeah, smiling is, yeah, it's like one of those things you got to do just like the right amount. Otherwise, it's creepy. If you don't smile at all, then you just seem grumpy. But if you smile too much, then it's, it gets yeah. weird real fast. Well, I, you know, I watched that clown and I, I get the hints of like the Joker in that. Oh. Yeah, of not really of somebody who has to put on a mask that doesn't sure yeah yeah not so much like a bad guy but the psychological opponent of somebody always wearing something makeup yeah that's makeup, makeup no the, matter what it's representing an emotion yeah yeah something always he's worried about the exterior yeah and then finally he's gonna you know handle what's inside of him Exactly. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's like kind of the idea behind that of like the sort of masks you wear for a day to day life to kind of assimilate into whatever scenario you're in, yeah. you know, but he's a clown. So he's got this thing just drawn on his face. And so he decides he's sad. He's going to change it from a smile to a frown. And of course, that pisses his colleague off. <laughs> he says, well, nobody wants to see that. Well, there is like it's. Have you seen Stan and Ollie? It's almost very much like the, you know the budding comedy guys who don't always get along together, but when they go on stage, they still can. Yeah. Be, yeah. Well, yeah. And that's just something that you know just happens in life. You know, sometimes you don't get along with a coworker, and then you have to go do a meeting together. And it's just, you know, yes. it's like yeah. there is a there's there's an element of theater in I think anybody's profession. I think you're absolutely right. If you have to really think about it, there's you always diff act different in whatever situation, every environment, you know. Yeah. People act different when they're at work than they're at home. And yeah. Yeah. When I refereed, I had to be a different person. Yeah. I refereed for 20 years, and I, I had to basically, I was a clown. I put on the clown suit, the referee outfit, <laughs> but you have to be assertive, right? Or yeah. young people. There's a preconceived idea of what that role that you're in rep like is or represents and if you don't you know adjust yourself to fit that part then you're yeah. not going to be successful yeah you know i wanted to think about a referee is almost like theater because yeah. you have you have a certain you have a mark you have an area you have to perform everybody's relying on you and there's twenty thousand people making sure that you don't make a mistake yeah <laughs> you have to you have communication lines and all that stuff you got a script you got to go by which is the rule book right it's a little bit like theater. Right? Yeah. Do you, well, I was going to ask you, do you do sports? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sports. Sorry. <laughs> I work for some sports people sometimes yeah. uh, doing photography and video, but no. It's not one of your things, huh? I have, I just have enough interests and <laughs> uh, hobbies as it is. So right. that's, that one's. Is that how you handle winter? Is this movies? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe that's why the Midwest has has a bunch of movie makers as, you know, what it, I really What do. else are you going to do in the winter? I really do. I think Minnesota love movies cuz what else are you going to do in the winter? You just Yeah. You know, especially thing. when it's cold and we couldn't go outside. I just pizza and I was going to watch five movies in a row. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, 
what uh, I was going to ask you because well, the only reason I ask you is because you put it on Instagram. What motivated you to watch Bridge Over River Kwai? Oh, one of the greatest movies of all time. And oh, because I just okay. <laughs> well, you should say what the Instagram post was. Oh, uh, me just being a dork, but yeah, I just uh, it was one that I hadn't seen. I think somebody posted a thread of like, what are you know famous movies that everybody's seen but you haven't seen or whatever, and I was like, Bridge on the River Kwai is one that. I've been aware of, I know of it, and it just yeah. has never just happened for whatever. I was never sat down to watch it for some reason. And then a friend of mine had it on DVD and lent it to me. So that was the only reason that was it. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It just started with like a Facebook thread of like, what haven't you seen? Because I have seen a lot, and that that's just one of my blind spots that I hadn't seen. So it, well, it did win Best Picture. Mm -hmm. and yeah. And it, I think, fits your realm because music is a predominant force in the movie. Yeah. And, um, it you're building up to something that's a huge contrast mm -hmm. right and I, I think that you especially in your works have a huge you like to work with contrast you know like a clown and sad you know um juxtaposing yeah different yeah. well and that movie is a lot about too like people being put into these like certain roles and having to adjust you know who they are you know the the Alec Guinness is committed to still kind of being his uh, position you know still having the responsibilities and the whatever of his military position but of course yeah. he's in the he's a prisoner of war and he just wants him to to make the bridge or whatever so i think it's one of the great endings because it's he's built up he's proud of what this is what they yeah. made and it's it's one of the most <laughs> incredible endings i've ever seen it has like this perfect convergence of plot threads and character arcs and just a big set piece and different sort of ideologies kind of coming to a head yeah but the thing that bugs me is then that one guy at the end after all that he walks in and he this periphery character that you barely even saw walks over and he surveys the the destruction and he's like madness madness <laughs> and then it like cuts to vultures then yeah. cuts this incredible hella shocker shot pulling away and it's like you could have cut that part out and then you it would have been truly perfect it's like 99 percent perfect it's right like, get rid of that guy because I think my <laughs> my perception of it is Alec Guinness and witnessing it go down and it, the yeah. horror of it, the face. Yeah. That, I think that would have been, that's it, that you really don't. Yeah, you don't need that other guy. Yeah, because for him, <laughs> it should be a jubilation, you know? The, 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 his side is, you know. Right. It, but well, for it's him. Great, because yeah, then he's conflicted. He's, he's achieved his monumental task, but of course he's also trying to carry out orders and now the orders are to blow it up. Yes, yes, so I think that whole and I still, from memory, regard Alleginness's face, his whole reaction. That's the, that's it. That's what you're building up to. Yeah. 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 I didn't need somebody else to walk in and be like the, <laughs> the audience or whatever. Right. So, what movie? What's another good movie that you think you would watch next? What What's you have a, like an like, like a blind spot movie yeah, that I haven't like, seen? Yeah. You have think it come to mind that you really? Kind of, well, I I I'll, give, I'll share one of mine. Okay. I have I've seen a lot of movies. I have never seen Deliverance. Oh, <laughs> and I really need to see Deliverance, especially since I love Burt Reynolds and you know yeah, well, Ned Bay is in there. It's, but it's it's a it's a hard movie. It's not a fun time movie to watch. No, not really. <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of intense, kind of yeah, yeah. But yeah, you got there's yeah, it's been like referenced and parodied and everything else so much. Well, I think it's one of those movies. If you love movies, you have to be what's. I would regard a requirement. You have to see it. If you love movies, you have to see it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Yeah, that was one that I saw too young, I think. My dad's like, you've never seen Deliverance? Well, you got to see Deliverance. I was like, how would I have seen Deliverance if you hadn't showed yeah. me? Well, I guess we're watching it. Okay. <laughs> so of the last year, what was some of the movies that you really liked from last year? Um, well, 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 there's a, well, there's a, for, for movies that I missed, there was a lot of Oscar movies that I missed this year that I still want to check out. Okay. But... um. I loved the favorite. That was just like my kind of kind of movie, my kind of weird and I right. Know, it's like a little satirical, but it also is like very right. Luck. You don't know if you're supposed to laugh at that or yeah. yeah. I, I love the awkwardness of it. I like the power dynamics. I like the yeah. You know the, the, the seeing. Yeah, it's like weirdly comedic, but also it's kind of devastatingly sad in places. You know the as you learn more about the queen and what's happened to her and I don't know I just I just loved everything about it I think Yoros Lanthios he's from Greece mm -hmm. he, he has a wonderful style and it's almost like a repellent to a conventional filmmaking he does it just experimental and let's try this and I've seen all of his movies you know Lobster Killing of Sacred Deer I've seen this one yeah and each have a, his own signature but all different different distinct look and texture to him yeah and he kind of mm -hmm. sometimes plays with convention or subverts expectations or like kind of right. goes against certain tropes or whatever like yeah but he makes you see things that are kind of disturbing like in the beginning of killing sacred deer you're seeing open heart surgery yeah and it's like <laughs> boom i saw in the theater it's like boom yeah that is open heart surgery and yeah, it's a like real oh. shot of it. yeah <laughs> and then like in the favorite you watch i think every character pukes <laughs> all three of them do so it's like what why do we have to watch all of them vomit <laughs> but i think it's him showing the contrast of beauty and some things can be disgusting at the same time yeah right? or there might be an elegance to things that are disgusting well it's also hilarious that be, you know because all the men are appearing in court or whatever they're the ones that are like all dolled up and made up and yes. like have all the makeup and wigs and hair and the, the women are like a little more natural and like yeah yeah i just i don't know it was it was a fun movie i loved thought into the spider verse was cool it was like kind of like weirdly experimental for like a mainstream superhero right. movie which was really cool it's placed in a little bit like it looked like a moving comic book like yeah like moving panels yeah yeah and they're kind of using different animation styles and looks and i don't know i was just super into that what else came out this year um do you do you watch documentaries i try to yeah i watched yeah, yeah. what well, well the only reason i ask is sometimes People have a tough time watching documentaries, and because it's it's not like rehearsed or anything. Documentaries, it's a you just get to shoot what you're available, right? You, that's oh yeah. I have a tough time watching documentaries because they're like sometimes very sad because they're true things, right? Um, but yeah, I watched yeah I watched a fair amount of docs. I watched a lot of the the, the different original Netflix docs. I watched like the ten hour OJ doc. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is a long time. Yeah, maybe it's just nine hours, but um, yeah, I, do, I and I would like to do a little more documentary myself. That's something that I've only dabbled in a little bit. So, what do you think? It'd be like music related, almost music or theater. Like I, I'd be interested in maybe following some performers and kind of getting to the heart of why they do what they do, and and yeah. also trying to cinematically capture the visual element of the things that they do and 
have it still look maybe more like a film. Yeah. Not as scrappy as some docs can look. Do you ever, you'd still read, well, we asked on our previous episode, do you ever read, read film reviews or you just kind of ignore them nowadays? Um, I sometimes read them afterwards, after I right. see a movie. It's like some, if it's a good review, sometimes it helps me think about different things in the film that I may have missed or like, yeah. you know, if it's doing some actual like analysis or thought or whatever. I'm more like, I like to like watch video essays, like really di doing deep dissections of movies, you yeah. know, and like trying to think about them in context and, you know, break them down psychologically and all this other stuff. So sometimes I watch more of those than f read or watch film reviews. Yeah. Do you do, I mean, the trailers, you still watch trailers sometimes? It's kind of, I like I mentioned before, I kind of regret it sometimes. Yeah, you guys were talking about that in the last episode. Like yeah. that sometimes, I think if, yeah, if it's a movie that I probably know I'm already going to see, then I try to skip the trailer. Like if P.T. Anderson's got a new movie coming out, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm obviously going to see it. So like I don't, I don't need to see the trailer, right? Because some of my favorite movie experiences were where I just like walked in and didn't know what I was getting into, and you know I'm totally in the dark don't know anything like um it's not like one of my favorite movies but um oh, what's the movie called snowpiercer a friend of mine wanted to see it yeah. i hadn't heard anything about it i didn't read anything about it and he said it was this korean film director that you like so i assumed it was gonna be like international film yeah yeah and i didn't realize it was gonna have like you know captain america as the lead <laughs> lead part and octavia spencer and tilda swinton and John Hurt and stuff like that. So it was just like, I went in totally blind. I didn't know anything about what I was getting to do. And it was just like made for a really fun movie experience. You know, I was gonna, since we're bringing up last year movies, and I, if I could recommend one for you. Yeah. Um, I'd give it a chance, Paul Schrader's First Reformed. I still, yeah, it's, it's on my list. Okay, all right. As long as, on your, as long as it's on your radar, that's good, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Have I, you seen? Oh, I no, definitely, uh, last year I put it in my top five. So, okay. and I think people who, our film love film would appreciate the movie i don't think for people who are casual viewers will enjoy it it's very slow mm. it's very it has deep themes and tones and metaphors to it and pretty much a priest's existential crisis played by ethan hawk it's not gonna people are not gonna like go see it you know it's not really <laughs> that's one of those, a lot of fun that's a lot of fun but i think you know Based on what you, a lot of your movies. Oh I yeah, I like movies that are mean to me. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, let me know if you ever get to see it because I you gotta tell me what you think about the ending. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll do. I'll, <laughs> I'll text you as soon as I finish it. <laughs> Is there any movie you're looking forward to this year? Of course. Now that you say that, my mind goes goes, goes a blank. Sorry. Yeah, it does. I don't know, man. I got. Like, keep up on like what's well, it's hard coming because up they only i'm they already trying to catch up on like all the stuff i missed last year so right and they only announced the popcorn flicks right we don't yes. know like a lot of other stuff that's coming yeah. up and see that's that's when i'll watch a trailer is if it's like i i don't know if it's something i'd want to see or if i see a poster and i'm like oh what is that it's intriguing then maybe i'll watch a teaser or a trailer to yeah. see if it okay maybe i want to give this one a chance yeah. but sometimes it's like they start to reveal a little too much plot i was like okay stop okay that was an actor I liked or it looked cool. I'll probably see that. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah. And it's tough with just like Facebook and everything else, like people dropping spoilers everywhere, you know, or 
Right, and you know, especially with the superhero movies, I and I like superhero movies. I almost have yeah. to. I have to constantly ignore social media oh, before yeah. I go into or just plug my ears when they go around anywhere. It does kind of encourage you to see those ones right away. sooner, yeah, yeah sooner. than later. Do you ever go to midnight screenings? Uh not as much anymore. You used to go to? Yeah, I used to go quite a bit. We'd get friends together and go like. Like when the first Pirates of the Caribbean came out, we all dressed up as pirates and I think went to a midnight screening. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. So, um, it's a yeah. lot of a lot of home viewing with a young kiddo, but I do try yeah. to get to the theater when I can. Sure. I saw Mandy last year in the theater. Now that's that's another one I think. Did what you think of it? Because I was I put it in my top ten. I liked it. I liked yeah. it a lot. I thought it was like. It was my first time at the Alamo Draft House, which has like incredible sound and visuals and whatever. And it was like the movie's so insane and intense; it was like yeah. borderline too much to handle right. in a good way. You know, I was just like my senses were overwhelmed. It's almost like a science experiment. We're gonna throw <laughs> yeah. all this and see how what, uh, you can handle it. Yeah, yeah. You almost feel like Alex in a clockwork orange. <laughs> yeah. Turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> right. Well, and he somehow was able to like utilize Nicolas Cage's like weird energy in a in a great way. I've been advertising people that it's a great movie, and you know it's a great movie because Nicolas Cage is the sane one in the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Mostly. Mostly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for for a while, anyway. Right. And that's another that I think had a great ending to it because you see this shot, you're like, well, where where are we, right? Yeah. What are, we're, I, I kind of just, even though I've been discombobulated, I gave it even more discombobulated at the ending, like this whole shot of far distance and you have two moons, you're like, where are we, <laughs> right? Right, yeah. endings are so, yeah, they're so weirdly important because they're like kind of what, what, what the movie leaves you with. Yeah. Yeah. When you do when you do a movie, do you always or beginning, do you always think of the ending, or do you kind of? Because I know a lot of people just go right when they look at a script, go right to the ending. Oh, I do know. Strangely enough, I the I'm working out the middle of my feature, but I do know yeah. exactly, like the last three scenes. You know how that how that how the ending plays out. Yeah. So I don't know. Um. Like Sad Clown, I didn't quite know how it was going to end. I just started writing more based on a thematic idea. Okay. And it was kind of like, kind of built to a natural conclusion. I was like, oh, you know, if you're kind of writing on something, okay, well, this is the way that it feels like it naturally has to end. Yeah. The guy, you know, ultimately has to, yeah, conf truly confront his friend about the makeup and the, f the frown drawn on his face. and and deal with the repercussions. I don't know. I've done a few movies where it's kind of slice of life stuff too. So then it's kind of like, what's the ending, right? Yeah. You kind of leave, you kind of leave on maybe a moment of just character connection, you know, where these characters that aren't connecting connect and that's the ending. Cause I always, always view endings from two schools of thought. Stephen King says it's all about the ending where sure. Kurt Vonnegut says it's just the time to stop. <laughs> I mean, they're both kind of right. Yeah, right? it's in that. I think it's well. I think it's most important because everybody, you're going through this whole journey. You want a big something, yeah, or something like that. You know, and there's different avenues of doing endings. Some people like the little crescendo, or some people like the hard slice. And yeah, I think it just. I think the story will eventually tell you almost like that, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and some people are like, 
are like really resistant if you wrap things up too neatly, but they're also like frustrated if you leave too many things open ended. So it's like, where's that middle ground? Right. That I don't know feels right to an audience for whatever reason. <laughs> um, before we go, I got a couple of, couple of minutes. Um, did you all do? Are you are you kind of interested in doing a black and white film? Is it always kind of in your mind? Well, my the telephone game, the feature yeah. I did in like 2007, that's black and white. Uh, I'd certainly love to do it again. I wrote a film for Z Fest that was black and white, yeah. or that the director wanted to make black and white, and I kind of thought about it in that way while writing it. But I mean, I'm I want to make all kinds of movies. I'd like sure. I'd love to do yeah. an animated film, and love yeah. to do a lot of things. It's almost like Tarantino. He's like, I got to live nine lifetimes to get all the movies I want to done. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk to you about tropes. Sure. I got such a kick out of it listening on your previous episode. Oh, the tropes and cliches, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Did you, now, after listening, did you come up with some ones that you d rediscovered that you didn't think about after writing them down? I did. Yeah. I was, yeah. So, yeah, what were you guys talking about in the last one? Well, the last one we were talking about favorite cliches yeah. and tropes, and I have multiples. You know, the one, the guy's on the ground, and he reaches for an object distant with his hand. Right, just in, just like at his fingertips reach. Yeah, and he knocks <laughs> him out. I always I always love running in the air in the airport, mm -hmm. catching the flight. I always but you get can't really do anymore. No, you don't. You can't, like... You can't get past security. You have to like drop off whoever you're dropping off or whatever. And yeah, that, that. I always like the running the airport one. What's some of your favorites? Similar note of your, um, you know, hitting somebody with the rock when they're on the ground. Yeah, there's like a weird movie shorthand where, in like comedies or action or whatever, somebody gets bonked on the head, and then they go like unconscious until it's convenient in the plot for them to resume consciousness where oh, in, yeah we're in like reality if you were if you hit someone hard enough to knock them out you've yeah. given them permanent brain damage <laughs> like right, yeah. forever you should go to the hospital yeah right? <laughs> yeah like there's yeah you're yeah there's a lot of bad things happening inside your skull of that <laughs> and it's just like in a comedy it's just like oh you can't see this thing right now friend of mine bonk i think they mentioned that in like fight club yeah when he, he discovers something that shocks his brain and he passes out and then mm. the narrative exposition is like, this called a changeover. The yeah. writer didn't know what to do with this part, so he just put the character to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's like the worst way to incapacitate a character when it's just like inconvenient for them to be present in the plot because they have to like miss some piece of information or whatever. You know, I was very rare, aware of that when I wrote my script because I needed somebody to be incapacitated. And I know that concussions is just. It's been used, and you know, I wanted a little more ground. So I would, I would use this analogy that the character is a heavy drinker, and then they slipped him like a Mickey or something. Mm. Well, since he's a heavy drinker, it didn't last as long as they thought it would do. Sure. So I've tried to put a little more realism into yeah. it, not just just take a blackjack over the head like Harper Marks and just <laughs> yeah. knock him over. But yeah, I was aware of it when I did my script. Yeah. The, yeah, well, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. You got more? Well. Oh yeah, I mean, well, I I think it's I I always think it's funny whenever people talk on the phone in movies that they never say goodbye. Right, <laughs> right. It's I was just like, okay, well, here's the information that I need to give you. Click, right. and it's like, right. I would be so mad if somebody did that. There's like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I do come. I kind of 
miss the dramatic hang up the phone in movies. We can't do it nowadays with the cell phones and everything, but the old fashioned. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. just like, I'm punch, pushing my yeah, digital yeah. button Aggressive aggressively. Team. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of miss the old, and then they zoom in on the phone like it's a, like they're violently hanging up the phone. Yeah. Yeah, now in movies, you have to throw your phone. Like yeah. a cell phone or whatever, you have to like throw it across the room when you're done with it, because you can't do the dramatic hang, like bang onto the receiver that knocks the bell around or whatever. Ding! It's just like throw your cell phone across the room. My my wife said uh, two of her least favorite ones. Okay. Are that any any time in a film if a woman barfs, she's pregnant. Like if she barfs, and it's like right. oh she's pregnant. <laughs> like you know that came into my mind when I watched the favorite. Because mm. she talked about how many times she's been pregnant and, you know, mm. she was sick from, it was like, maybe. You know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's kind of an old one that needs to get rid of. And then if somebody coughs, they're just dead. <laughs> they're going to die by the end of the movie. Somebody has, like, a little cough. They're like, <clears throat> yeah. oh, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially in zombie movies, if you got a cough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or just, like, you're like, yeah, it's like in the five scenes, we're going to be at the doctor's office and you're going to get a bad <laughs> diagnosis or something. You know, somebody else told me um, I had a. A coworker, she's pregnant. She goes, I just get a kick out when a woman's water breaks. It's like a river. <laughs> it's like doesn't happen like that. But in the movies, yeah. it's just like a, just like open the gates. It doesn't happen. And for so many women, it doesn't even happen. I, I know it doesn't even happen. But yeah, yeah, you have to the, have to do it at the doctor or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or it's a non-event. But. So speaking of them, are you always aware of troops when you read scripts? Yeah, I mean, I'm. Yeah, I think if yeah, I think if I read a script to somebody else's, they can definitely stand out or take me out of a film if it feels too, you know. Like the thing that bugs me about some independent films or or whatever is if they, if they feel like they're just inspired by other movies, you yeah. know, they're not inspired by a feeling or an idea or a personal experience right. or a you know something they wanted to explore. It's just like I like these other movies. And so I think when you read those kind of things too, you can just be like, oh, you're trying to do the scene that you like in this other movie. I get it, yes. And yeah. you're just kind of like sticking it into this it's idea. Like, it's almost like a cut and paste. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's where tropes can be problematic or you know, it can just take you out of a script or of a film. But I think sometimes being aware of them, then you can subvert expectations or you can kind of play on the idea that the audience thinks you're going towards a trope and then yeah. pull them in away from it. You know, it's like, like the favorite that, you know, he, he sometimes does that where you, know, you think maybe it's going to go this way or, or it's a great thing to do in a horror movie too of like, right. Oh, you think that it's going to play out this way because you've seen a million slashers. Yeah. They always go upstairs. Yeah. And then this kind of new wave of art house horror, they can kind of play with that expectation that, play with the knowledge that you've seen other films. Right. You know, that yeah. you have this, like, these things in your brain that these shorthands that you've come across or whatever of watching certain genres, that then, then the director can, like, mess with you and mess with, you know, well, why do you think that? Yeah. And sometimes it's more real to then set up that trope, yeah. Yeah. steer towards it, but then pull away because to the more realistic you know, thing or the more interesting thing like, yeah. um, like Shane black in his films, he always like kind of plays with the ideas of like the real repercussions of violence. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, it's like in last boy scout. Yeah. Or like in, um, 
the sort of recent one, the um, what is it, the the Good Guys, or what? What's the one with Russell Crowe and um, Ryan Gosling? The Good Guys. It is the Good Guys. Okay. Yeah. It's a little bit outrageous, but yeah, there's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is still stylized, and some of it's over the top. But like, but, yeah. instead of the guy like looking cool and punching through the window to just like undo the door handle, he punches through it and he cuts his hand open, and then right. the movie you know spins off from that. So, I yeah. think yeah, an awareness of tropes can it can be a tool. You know, you can you can play with that expectation, or you can use it as a shorthand if you have to, I guess. Yeah. But I I don't know. I think I'm just enough of a, a, a punk or a contrarian to just like, not a punk, but just like a, I don't know, a cynical person that I try to steer away from them sometimes. Would you want to ever go back to doing like something like a horror? Yeah, I'd love to do a horror, but I'd have to have the right idea. I have a very loose idea that I don't want to share, but it's sure. or of like a mood or Well, you mentioned whatever. before they always got movies going on. <laughs> yeah, I have a very loose idea for a horror. Yeah. Maybe I need to bring a co-writer in to help rein it in. But yeah, I really love moody kind of atmospheric stuff. Like yeah. some of Mandy has some like crazy moody atmospheric stuff, but like, yeah. Just yeah. Do when you think about it, do you think about color first, mm -hmm. especially with horror movies? Yeah, one of my favorite moments in a horror movie is um, I'm like a f big fan of Dracula movies. Sure, and um, yeah. there's still a lot of them I have to see. But I just love the in the '60s the blood how mm -hmm. it looked. Yeah. It looks like tangy. Yeah, it's really like paint. Yeah, it looked like painty. But there's this one where Frank Lang Langella Langella uh, is yeah. Dracula. And he bites into the first victim, and all of a sudden he's like in this sort of like psychedelic, orgasmic like red cloud as a silhouette with her, and they're just like floating. Yeah. It's really crazy. I but remember like, that. Yeah. yeah, and it's just such a striking visual of this like whatever thing. So, yeah, I love, I love thinking about color and. Just like the yeah, is the light warm or cool, or is you know, are you gonna go dramatic punches yeah. of jewel tones? Are you gonna keep it sunny or more natural, or I don't know. Well, Jason, I have to say, time's kind of up here, man. <laughs> I could rant forever. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we definitely have to, sometime. You definitely have to come back with more tropes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if you want to come back, we'll just talk movies. I love it. Yeah. But thanks, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on last draw. And, Thank you. And Hartswand and all the nominations from um, and chairman and everything. It's really fun time to come in and hang out with you. Yeah. Especially we've been, we've been corresponding for such a long time. I know. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. finally got it scheduled. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Well, uh, I think you know it. It's not over till the guest says it's over. It is over. <laughs>